their Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 27. The book of Acts tonight, chapter number 27. And we'll read a few verses here tonight uh, to get a text, uh, to get a launching place to bring the sermon that I feel like the Lord's laid upon my heart tonight. I sure have enjoyed the meeting. I agree with the preacher and the times that I've been here to the meeting over the years. This has been one of the best camp meetings that I've been in. And it's been a good time of refreshing. People have called me that have been here and have not been able to come back and talked about how that their soul had got fed and got help. And uh, I'm just glad for what the Lord has done this week. And I want to say thank you to all the people that have been faithful to come. I thought about the choir that has been faithful to assemble, the musicians that have labored, and then all behind all the scenes, there's always things that go on. Uh, for years, we've had a camp meeting there at Bays Mountain, and my wife always heads up the cooking department. And uh, there's a lot, a lot of work goes into fixing that food and getting things ready. And, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of work. You don't realize just how much work goes into that. And I want to say thank you to those ladies and men and everybody that's labored to make this meeting a success. And I sure do appreciate Pastor Bearden letting me come. And I appreciate him being a friend to me over the years. And allowing me to have a part in this meeting. And we need to pray for Brother Ray. He'll be having the surgery. What is it, Brother Ray, the 30th? Tuesday, this coming week, he'll be having the surgery. And I wish that you'll just remember that. Let's pray. I bet for the Lord's will it be done. If it be God's will, that uh, there'd be no, no major problems, that they could correct this. And that God would restore his health to him and help him. And I've watched him this week get excited and get stirred up, and I knew his back was hurting, knew he wasn't feeling good, but he got stirred anyway. And though the outward man perisheth, the inward man's renewed day by day. And it's been good. I've even seen Brother A.J. get a tad bit excited this week. Amen. And, uh, amen. That's, we just, I mean, we've enjoyed it together, and uh, I hope that uh, soon the Lord is going to come. Surely he is going to come soon. But if he doesn't come soon, I tell you, if he doesn't come in our lifetime, which I believe maybe he will, but if he doesn't, we need to continue having these type of meetings every now and then. Somebody asked, I believe it was Billy Sunday. They said, Billy Sunday, why do you have these meetings, some of these revival meetings? They don't last, and you have to have another one again. He said, you take a bath once today, don't you? He said, a bath doesn't last either. But he said, it's good when you take it. It cleanses you and it cleans you up. And so we need, and the Bible did say, so much the more as you see that day approaching, we need to have these meetings and continue to, to rally together and to encourage one another. And again, now, thank you for allowing me to come and be a part of the meeting. In the book of Acts, chapter number 27, Acts chapter 27, uh, we'll read a few verses here, and most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. Paul has appealed to go to Caesar, and uh, he's on his way to Rome, and they're setting sail. In chapter number 27, verse 1, the Bible said, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of, of Augustus' band. And they're on their way now. They're being, they're being taken, Paul, and they're leaving, and they're sailing. And as they begin to sail out, Paul even told them in verse number 9, he said, Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. And what you find, the centurion in verse number 11, and the captain of the ship, they, they believed the sailors more than they did the apostle Paul. And they didn't listen to the man of God, and so they set sail. And then in verse number 14, the Bible said, But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroculand. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. 
In other words, they begin to throw three things overboard. They begin to lighten the ship, hoping that would help them to sail through this storm. Now, I'm going to make an allegory out of this passage of Scripture. I'm going to lift from out of the context itself. And you know, there's a lot of people that are throwing things overboard today. I mean, we're in some storms, and we think, well, if I'll throw this conviction over or that standard over, it'll make sailing easier in this storm. But there's some things we don't need to throw overboard in these last days. And uh, they lightened the ship. And the third day, the Bible said, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. In other words, they begin to throw over the things that were necessary. I mean, things that were needful to guide that ship. They begin to throw it overboard. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, he said in verse 25, Be of good cheer, for I believe God. And I want to say tonight, you and I ought to be of good cheer. And we ought to believe God also. Paul said that it shall be even as it was told me. I believe that you and I can look into this book, into the Word of God, and we can be of good cheer, and we can believe even as it's told us in the Word of God in these last days. And then you'll find out they, uh, they, the Bible said in verse 26, Howbeit Paul said we must be first cast upon a certain island. And then verse 27, When the fourteenth night was come as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And they sounded and found it twenty phantoms. Now, by the word sounded, it means it's a nautical term. Uh, they threw a rope overboard, and ever so many inches, there was a knot tied into that thing. And they threw that rope overboard, and they measured how far the water was on that rope. The Bible said, and when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen phantoms. Then, fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Now, there's some good preaching can be done from right there. You better have you some anchors out in these last days. And they had anchored out there, and they wished for the day. Now, I believe that's where a lot of us are. We're waiting and we're wishing for the day when Jesus shall soon come again. And then the Bible said in verse 30, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color or pretense, as though they could have cast or would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Now this is not talking about salvation of the soul, but it's talking about salvation from the storm. He said, except you abide in the ship. See, what those men were going to do, they were acting like they were going to cast the anchors out, and they'd let down those little boats, and they were going to try to make it on their own, friend. Now, I tell you what, we need to stay with the church in these last days. We don't need to be leaving the church and trying to make it on our own. We need the local New Testament church. And when the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat, they let her fall off. And then you can read on down through here when you get home tonight, and you'll find that in verse number 44, the Bible said, And the rest, some on boards, and some on broken pieces of the ship. In other words, they all made it safe to land. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. 
They launched in verse number 2, and they landed in verse number 44. Between, but between the launching and the landing, there was a storm that they came into contact with. Now, I've read that, and I want to use that as background information and try to preach a topical message tonight, maybe not verse by verse, but I want to preach tonight and, and use something that's going on today that people are very much aware of in the last several months. There's a movie that's been put out called The Titanic. And uh, that thing was found several years ago by Sonar. They had those things that went down in the water and they found uh, the original Titanic ship. And some of you have seen pictures of it on television and in magazines. And, and just recently they put out a movie. I don't go to the movies, so I don't know anything about it except what I've read in the paper. Uh, but that thing has broken all other records. Uh, there's been more people that have attended uh, to see the Titanic movie. Uh, than any other movie in all of history. And uh, I want to think tonight about that ship, the Titanic, and make a few comments about it, and then I want to make an allegory comparison uh, between that ship and another ship that I read about in the Bible. Now, when you think about the Titanic, as I was reading and studying about this, uh, the Titanic was set sail on April the 10th, 1912. The Titanic was headed to New York. It was its maiden voyage, and it was the first trip that it was making. Now, it stopped at Southampton, England, and then it was headed for New York Harbor. Now, as you look at this ship, the Titanic, there's a description of it. At this time, the Titanic was the largest ship that had ever sailed the waters. They said that she was 11 stories high. She was 800 82 and a half feet long. She was longer than three football fields, friend. The largest floating vessel that was known to mankind. They said the ship itself weighed 46,328 gross tons. They said that the anchors on board that ship weighed 15 and a half tons. Just the anchors. They said one link in the chain of the anchor that weighed 175 pounds. And she had the title, the Titanic was called the unsinkable ship. That's what they said. They said it's as though man had stepped out and he had gone to a place where he didn't fear God no more. And he said it's the unsinkable ship. They said the bottom of that ship was five to six feet thick. It was made up of a about 15 different water-type compartments uh, that lay underneath that ship, and they felt like she was absolutely uh, the unsinkable ship. Uh, but not only do you see the description, uh, and on board that ship, now remember, 1912, they had things like tennis courts, uh, and there was a gymnasium, they had their bars, they had elevators on board, uh, and they had their ballrooms, their gambling casinos, uh, all of this in 1912. Uh, on board that ship was 2,207 people. There were 891 crew members, uh, 1,316 passengers. Uh, there's simply a description of the Titanic. And then not only that, there were the dignitaries that were on board. I begin to read and find out uh, that there were many, many millionaires millionaires, uh, the jet set crowd of 1912 uh, that were invited to ride. You see what they'd do? They'd go to different places when there's something new happening uh, and just out of curiosity and to be one of the first ones, uh, they would go to do that event on board the ship. Uh, now there were some people that were trying to immigrate to the United States. Uh, they were third class passengers down below. Uh, but there were men like uh, Archibald Butt. Uh, 
He was the presidential aide to President Taft. There was a man by the name of Isidore Strauss. He was the famous clothing manufacturer of that day. And then there was a man by the name of John Jacob Astor. He owned the famous Astor Hotel. And these men were multi-millionaires, friend. And they were riding on board the Titanic. But not only the dignitaries, but then you see the disaster of that ship. She set sail on April the 10th. And then on April the 14th at 11.40 p.m. on Sunday night, after a long ride, they'd been gambling, they'd been dancing, they'd been partying and drinking their liquor, and the bands were playing. They'd already three times previously been warned that ice was seen in the water, that ice and icebergs were seen seen in the water. But they paid little or no attention because they thought it was unsinkable. And they were trying to make this journey at the fastest time on record. So they had it full speed ahead. And at 11.40 p.m. on Sunday night, after a night of gambling and drinking and dancing, there was a sound of rumbling that shook the Titanic from one end to the other. What had happened that she had hit a submerged iceberg. Part, most of that iceberg was under the water. They could see a little bit of it on top of the water, but underneath was the bulk of that iceberg. And they hit that thing, and it tore open a 300-foot gash. I mean, it ripped through all of those compartments, those 15 watertight compartments, and the northern Atlantic waters begin to gush and they begin to go down. They begin to take water and they were sinking. And after that thing had hit, it had shook it from one end to another. They said there was a lady that came out of her cabin and she was so afraid. I mean, it rumbled and shook that big ship. And she stepped out of her cabin and she said, Sir, to one of the sailors, to one of the crew members, she said, Have we wrecked? Are we sinking? And that sailor, that crew member said, ma'am, God Himself couldn't sink this ship. He said, don't worry about it. This is the unsinkable ship. Now, that's the way a lot of people think about their lives, friend. And they think they're never, never going to go down. That, that ship hit that iceberg. And within just about two hours later, two and a half hours later, 1,502 people died. There were 1,352 men that died. 109 women died and 52 children died there on those northern Atlantic waters. And they said lifeboat after lifeboat. They didn't have but 20 on board. See, they didn't have enough lifeboats to accommodate the crowd they had because they didn't think they would need them. And lifeboat after lifeboat pulled away with just 5 or 10 or 15 in it when they could accommodate up to 75 people. The people would not believe. They would not believe that the thing was going. And that's the way it is today with a lot of sinners. They don't think this thing's ever going to go down. They don't think they're ever going to have to face God in judgment, friend. But oh, what a disaster that was that night. And those people begin to drown. And finally, you've seen the picture, some of you, and read in books how that thing turned up and began to go down like a torpedo and plunge beneath those waters. Women holding on to their babies. People jumping overboard, screaming and crying. The disaster of that ship. But now here's the diary. The diary of the Titanic. Although she was accredited as being an unsinkable ship, she still went down. And that's the type of man's religion today. 
today. Man thinks his religion and his self-efforts and his humanism will get him to heaven one day, friend. But I want to say this. The Bible said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You better be on the old ship of Zion tonight. Are you listening? There's another ship that I want us to look at tonight and make a spiritual comparison. On this side, I want you to look. There's the Titanic. The best that man could produce. The unsinkable ship, so said man. But on this side, I see another stately vessel. And she's called the old ship of Zion. It's the church of the Lord Jesus, if you will, friend. She's been called by many names. But she's the old ship of Zion. And when you compare these two ships, let's think number one tonight about the christening of these two vessels. The christening. Now, I've read and I'm sure that when they christened the Titanic, multitudes were gathered. I mean, that was the largest news event of that day. And oftentimes when they would christen a vessel like that, that have some dignitary. And at this time, it was a woman that stood there. The news media was gathered. And she took a bottle of champagne and she hit the bow of that ship. And they christened the Titanic and set it a sail. The streamers were flying. The news media was there. And the applause went up as the Titanic set sail. But over here's the old ship of Zion. You say, preacher, did she have a christening? She sure did, friend. I read in my Bible in the book of Luke chapter 24 and verse 29, when Jesus said, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. They stayed there in Jerusalem in that upper room and they were praying. And in Acts chapter number 2, you know what happened? The day of Pentecost was fully come. And there come a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues sit upon each of them. And they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know what happened right there? God Almighty leaned over the battlements of heaven, if you will. And He christened, He christened the old ship of Zion with the power of the Holy Ghost, friends. Amen. Thank God for that christening. I tell you, I'm glad the ship we're sailing on, I'm telling you, is empowered by the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. You get to thinking about it on board the Titanic. They had the best compasses of that day. Now, they didn't have radar in those days. They didn't have sonar radar. But they had the best navigational equipment. But on the Titanic, it failed to show up. It failed to show those icebergs. Those men were in the crow's nest looking with binoculars. And they didn't see. They didn't realize. You say, preacher, what about here? I'm glad to us the christening by the Holy Ghost. You see, He's our compass. He leads us and He guides us and He knows where the ship of Zion is tonight. Are you listening? He knows where the church is tonight. You say, preacher, we're in uncharted waters. Nobody's ever come this far before. Have you ever thought about that? Nobody's ever come this far before. We can look back and see in Mueller's day and Finney's day and Tory's day and Brother Bob Bolden's day and Brother Jim Seaton's day and Brother Lester Rowan Day, but now we're in uncharted waters. The church has never been this way before. But thank God for the compass. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And He knows how to get the ship of Zion saved to the other side. Amen, friends. 
And that night on board that Titanic, for the first time, they began to use the wireless telegraph. And they were sending out a long and a short and a long. A long and a short and a long. And it was SOS. That's the first time they ever used it. And they were sending that distress signal. Save, oh, save. Save, oh, save. I'm glad tonight you and I have a wireless telegraph communication system too. I'm glad the Holy Ghost is living within us. And He's our paracletos. One been called alongside to help. He's our intercessor, friend. That makes intercession to our intercessor in heaven who is the Lord Jesus. Amen. The christening of the old ship of Zion. There wasn't many there that day, just 120 in the upper room. I mean, the news media wasn't there that day. But I tell you, the greatest ship of all times began to set sail when the old ship of Zion sailed out of Pentecost, friends. And she's been sailing these seas ever since. The christening of these ships. But not only that, I want you to notice the captains. Every major seagoing vessel has a captain. And on board the Titanic, they had the best that they could find. The man's name was Edward J. Smith. He was a veteran of the high seas. This was to be his last voyage. He took this on as a, a kind of a, uh, I guess, you know, as a charge, kindly as his last task. And he said, I'll do it. They hired him. And he was going to retire after he had landed the Titanic at New York Harbor. And he was a veteran of the high seas, friend. He had sailed many, many times. This captain by the name of Edward J. Smith. He was educated at the best navigational schools. I mean, he knew about the pros and cons of sailing. But that night, he went down also with the ship. I mean, he died that night himself. And he gave up his place maybe to let one other person on board a lifeboat. But he went down with the ship himself. But on this side over here, on board the old ship of Zion, I'd like to introduce you to the captain. To the captain of the old ship of Zion. You say, preacher, who is he? Why, you know who he is. Hebrews 2.9 said, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I'm glad he's the captain, friend. Amen. I mean, he know, he's been here. He came down here. He lived among us, friend. He arose and went back to heaven. And he knows how to get the old ship of Zion safe, safe home to heaven. Amen. You say, preacher, but didn't Jesus die? Didn't He, as the captain of our salvation, die? Yes, He did, friend. He hung and He befriended. And He led captivity captive. And brought out those that were in paradise. Amen. Thank God. He went down, yes, but He got up. He got up. Amen. Yes, sir. You say, preacher, what did He do when He got up? Well, I'll tell you what he did. He went back to the Father. He carried his blood. I believe he carried his own blood. And I believe the Lord's blood, his liquid fresh on the mercy seat in the holies of holies in that tabernacle, not made with hands in the heavens. He carried his blood up there. Then he came back and he showed himself to many, many different times. And then he went back and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Thank God for our captain of the old ship of Zion. But then there's the cost of the tickets. There was the cost of the tickets to get on board. And I read in the, on the Titanic that some of the cheapest tickets were $2,300 for the immigrants trying to come to America. $2,300. That's a lot of money for him. And the high suites went for as much as $4,000. 
I'm talking about I've seen some of the pictures of those rooms, stately rooms, and how, I mean, just how elaborate and all of that. You see, the cost of the tickets... I could have never got on board the, the Titanic. I could have never made that voyage from England to come to America. I'd have been left behind because I just we ain't never had that kind of money. I mean, when I was a boy, you never saw that kind of money. But over here on board the old ship of Zion, you say, Preacher, what does it cost? It's free to one and all. It's free to one and all. Why, I tell you, it doesn't cost you a thing, friend. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't bribe your way into heaven. Hey, the passage has already been paid for. And all you've got to do is come and repent and accept the Lord. The cost of the ticket's already been paid for. Paid for. It was paid for at Calvary. Paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I thought about the course of these two ships and the conditions of these ships. And the Titanic left England, docked at France, went on to Ireland and docked, and then headed hoping to go to New York Harbor. And that's where her destination was supposed to be. But the old ship of Zion, she left the harbor of Pentecost. She's been sailing the high seas for a number of years now. And one day before much longer, she's going to drop anchor at the port of glory, friend. Amen. And there's the cargo. On board the Titanic, they said there was over $6 million worth of certified mail on board there. Scores of millionaires with their diamonds and their furs and jewels and, and, and all this cargo on the Titanic. And it all went down to a watery grave. You say, what kind of cargo's on board this ship over here, the old ship of Zion? Can I say it's the pearl of great price? The pearl of great... That merchant man went looking for that pearl. And when he found that pearl, he sold all that he had to buy that pearl. I'm telling you, on board the ship of Zion, is the most precious cargo of all the world in the universe. You say, preacher, what in the world? Why, sinners saved by grace. I mean, oh, wicked, hell-deserving sinners that have been washed in the blood and have died on board. That's the cargo. Amen. You say, why, it don't look like much. We may not look like much to this world. They may drive by and laugh and say, camp meeting, and see our cars, and look at us and say, what a motley looking crowd. But I tell you, they don't know, friend, that some of the king's children have met here tonight, and we are a part of the pearl of great price. The cargo... And there was the chores and commands. And no doubt on the men, the men on board the Titanic, they had their duties to do. And I hasten to say the ship of Zion, she's not a love boat, she's a battleship, friend. And we've heard today about some of our chores and commands. I thought about how we've heard all week long through the preaching. I thought about today the missionary standing here from India and giving his burden I thought about the other missionaries that have been here this week, and there's the need to get the gospel out, and, and uh, we need to purify ourselves, and, and we need to pray, and we need to watch, and we need to be ready. Any given moment, the captain is going to say, Hoist the anchors. Hoist the anchors. Amen. Beard and stood here night after night. I've sensed the burden upon his soul. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. When you get to meditating and thinking about it, uh, D.L. Moody said thousands and thousands and thousands are out there on the sea of life. Uh, and they're drowning. They're drowning. They're going under. Uh, and we have the life preserver. Uh, we have the life jacket, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. That old song said, throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. I thought about his brother Eddie was singing this morning. Ship ahoy, ship ahoy. Thank God. One day I'm glad the lighthouse was standing there. I was out in the water and I was going down and I was a drowning, but I'm glad the lighthouse shined the light and I could see my condition and behind me I saw that stately old vessel and I cried, ship ahoy, ship ahoy. And I'm telling you, the captain commanded a boat to be lowered and brought me on board, friend. I'm glad I'm on tonight. I'm glad I'm saved. 
And then there was the call to get on board both of these ships, the call or the invitation. The Titanic, many of those dignitaries and who's who's of that day of 1912, they received invitations, no doubt that were embroidered in gold and engraven. And uh, the elite and the dignified and the wealthiest and the list of who's who's was invited, along with those immigrants that tried to save their money to come to America. You and I would have never got on board. We, we, we wouldn't have fit in the who's who's list in 1912. We wouldn't have been in the jet set of 1912. We'd have been left out, see. But I'm glad the call to get on board the old ship of Zion. I'm glad that call rings out. That call rings out all across the land. Wherever the gospel's being preached, uh, wherever the Word of God is being preached, there's purity and its power. Uh, the call is ringing out. Get on board. Get on board. Get on board. And I'm glad, as Brother Edgar told this morning about his own salvation experience, I got to thinking about my own. Every time I hear somebody tell about theirs, I think about my own. I'm glad I heard the call one day. I'm glad I heard the call one day to get on board. Get on board. You say, Preacher, are there any conditions? Well, to get on the Titanic, you had to be a who's who, or you had to be a jet setter, or you had to have at least $2,300. You say, what's the conditions to get on board the, the old ship of Zion? Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he'd have, have no money. Come and buy and eat, and yea, come and buy wine and milk uh, without price. I'm glad all you've got to do is be thirsty. All you've got to do is say yes, friend, and you can get on board. You can get on board. Amen. Y'all can remember, can't you, when you got saved? All of you ain't always sat in a church house like this. You ain't always, always been dressed like this. Some of us, God got us off of a bar stool, out of a nightclub. I mean, I'm think I know Brother Donnie Burns past sitting right here. I told Brother Tim today a little bit, and I wasn't trying to just belittle Brother Donnie. But Brother Donnie Burns used to have his hair in a ponytail that reached down to his waist. This man had 88 to 120 years in the federal state penitentiary, seven counts of armed robbery. But oh, his daddy was an old-fashioned Baptist preacher, and Brother Donnie's dad died in his arms begging him to get saved, begging him to get saved. And he wouldn't do it, and his dad died. But it wasn't long after that, it wasn't long after that, that the call came. And old Brother Donnie got saved, got saved by the grace of God. Son, I had my hair parted in the middle, laid over my ears. I had turquoise necklaces on, turquoise rings, platform shoes, bell-bottom breeches. I mean, son, I looked like anything but a preacher's son. But thank God the call came ringing one day. The call came ringing. Get on board. Get on board. Amen. That's right. No, I'm glad He didn't pass us by. I'm glad He didn't just keep us sailing. <laughs> Under God, I feel a breeze in my soul. Bartimaeus, they said, it's Jesus, Bartimaeus. He's a passing by. Oh, Bartimaeus stood up and said, Jesus, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. And they commanded him to be quiet. They said, blind man, shut up. You're making a nuisance. And he cried that much louder. Jesus, thou son David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said that Jesus stood still. The captain heard his cry, friend. And the captain got him on board. Hallelujah. And the day you cried out, the day you repented, the day you got saved, the sun stood still. Brought you on board. He said lifeboat after lifeboat after lifeboat pulled away with 15 or 20 on board. They said even as that ship was tilting... Where they'd hit that iceberg, some of the ice had fell on board the ship. They were making balls of ice out of it and throwing them at each other and laughing. 
They did not believe she was going to sink. They were still gambling. They were still having their dancing parties. And when they finally realized she was going under, when it was too late, the band began to play, Near my God to Thee. Near my God to Thee. They began to go down. I read this afternoon, I got some information. There was a preacher on board the Titanic. There was a preacher on board. He had a life jacket and he plunged out into the water. Now those who had the life jackets on, they didn't make it. Unless they got on board a life raft, they didn't make it. Because the waters were so cold, within a few minutes, they, they died of, of the coldness of the waters. And they said that preacher went off into the waters with that life jacket on. And he was an older man. He was going from little lifeboat to little lifeboat and seeing people hanging on to this. And people were drowning and people were screaming. And, and he made a statement. He said, Receive Christ. Believe on Jesus. Call on the Lord. Repent. I accept Christ. He began to get cold himself. And, and he began to feel himself. He's going down, going down. And if they heard him, there was a woman that lived that said she heard the preacher man say, I'm going down. I'm going down. And then all of a sudden he changed his tune and said, No, I'm not going down. I'm going over. I'm going over. Amen. And then there's the conclusion of these two ships. The Titanic was headed for New York Harbor, trying to make that maiden voyage in record time. But it wound up in the deep, dark, northern waters of the Atlantic Ocean. And those 1,500 and something people perished, perished, and died. The unsinkable ship! It's as though man raised his puny fist in the hand of God and said, we built something that even you can't destroy. The conclusion is the Titanic lies at the bottom. You say, what about this old ship of Zion? I told you she's a battleship. And the blood-stained banner is still waving. You hear me? The blood-stained banner is still waving. And the captain's at the helm of this ship. The captain's at the helm of this ship. Boy, I read about a story one time, and they was on board this certain certain ocean liner, and the captain gave the command, everybody below batting the hatches were headed into a storm. And there's a little old boy, about 14, 15 years old. He's playing outside, hanging on ropes and everything else. And there's an older lady grabbed him and shook him and said, Son, didn't you hear the captain? You better get below. We're in danger. Aren't you worried, son? He said, Ma'am, can I say a word? She said, Yes. He said, You see that man up there? She said, Yes, that's the captain. He said, He's not only the captain, said he's my daddy. And said, My daddy's looking after my best interest. And he said, There ain't no sense in me and him both are worrying. Said, He's going to see us through this storm. <laughs> I'm glad the Lord's going to get us through. Some of us are in stormy waters. I'm telling you, feel like we're taking water in. I think we're going to go down, but I'm telling you. You say, what is the conclusion of this ship, the ship of Zion? One day, friends, she's going to dock in Glory Harbor. You hear me? I believe there'll be banners on the other side. There'll be banners waving in the air. That'll say a job well done, church. Welcome home, weary soldiers. And the gangplank will come down. And we may step off to the tomb of I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. I'm telling you, the ship of Zion is going to make it. She's going to make it. She's going to make it. We're going to make it home. The Bible said they launched in verse number 2.
That's what he told them. And we're going to make it. We that are saved by the grace of God, we're going to make it. They said John Jacob Astor stood there as that ship was going down. Worth over $50 million at that day, in that time, in 1912. And they said, where's your life jacket? Where's your life jacket? He said, I didn't think I would need it. I didn't think I'd need it. There's a lot of people that don't think they need the Lord Jesus Christ. But oh, friend, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only means of salvation. He's the only way of salvation. And then for us that are saved, let's get us four good anchors out. Let's keep sounding out. Taking our Word of God and sounding out and measuring the waters. Huh? That's what we've been doing this week. Boy, I'm telling you, it's getting excited now. It's, it's re- you say, preacher, no, we're getting ready to ship out of here. We're getting ready to go home. I want them to come sing the verse of this song I've asked them to sing tonight. And I trust it would be a blessing to you. And Brother Lance and them's coming, Sister April. Boy, I hope you're on board tonight. I do. I hope you're on board tonight. I hope you're... Hey, I mean, I trust you're saved and born again. Because when the captain, when the captain says, anchors away, the ship of Zion's pulling out. She's headed out of here. And she'll dock at Glory Harbor. I trust that you're saved. You listen tonight as they sing. Just worship the Lord. Magnify Him. Think about when you got saved. Think about how gracious the Lord was to pass by where you were. And allowed you to get on board. You listen to them as they sing tonight. I was standing on the banks of the river looking up
Yeah. 